Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 43 of Saving the Game, Unity versus Uniformity, with our hosts Grant, Brandon, and Ed Healy. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Brandon. I'm Ed. And we've got a guest host with us again. Indeed. We're replacing Peter. Uh, no. <laughs> About time. I mean, uh, Yes, that's that's totally it. <laughs> Peter is off having a great deal of fun at Fear the Con 7, and we wish him the best and are staring at him jealously across the internet. Shaking fists. And other things. But we have Ed Healy with us. Is he local down there in Missouri? Or? He is in Illinois, Southern Illinois. All right, so he's close enough. <laughs> he's about three times closer than I am. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Ditto. He can get there in one day. But we've got you here with us, Ed. Yay. All the people out there who don't know who you are, tell them why you're awesome. <laughs> I'm fairly normal, actually. A father and husband. I play a lot of games, and the only really unique aspect of what I do is I'm one of the only independent marketers in the hobby game industry. But other than that, I'm a fairly normal guy. We play games two to three times a week and i try to promote good cool stuff from good cool people awesome and that's done through gamerati right that's correct i gotta be honest with you i didn't know what gamerati was until fairly recently despite having been on one of your mailing lists it just didn't click for some reason (laughs) i may still not know what gamerati is because it sounds like some sort of mystical, like, secret cult of gaming. Yeah, it might be in my secret societies thing. Blame Wolfgang Bauer from Cobalt Press for that. I was just messing around one day on Twitter, I think, that I thought Gamerati sounded like a cool name, <laughs> and he said, you should name your company that, and I want a t-shirt that says, I am the Gamerati. <laughs> I did name the company that, and I do have t-shirts that say, I am the Gamerati. <laughs> there you go. So it, it's all Wolf's fault. Good to know. Now I know who to blame for that. Yeah. And it's out there forever yeah. yes well the reason i chose it is because when i googled it there was no reference to gamerati on the internet and so i was like oh that's a pretty good way to yeah, choose a name perfect what does gamerati do exactly for the people who don't know we promote games actually to be more specific i promote gamers it's my opinion that games in and of themselves don't have much value without the people okay and so i like to find people that i like and that make cool stuff and promote it Of course, I also have to feed my family, so some of the things I do are for free, but some of them are for pay. But yeah, it's my full-time job. Basically, it's my belief that there's a lot of awesome, cool people doing a lot of really interesting things, and that games are a useful way to build community. And so I try to celebrate the best in gaming, cool gamers that are out there, as well as the games that they make that we love to play. So I guess if... If you're a gamer and you enjoy the community, then you are the Gamerati too. Awesome. And you also do at least one podcast, I know. Yeah, we've kind of pod faded a little bit. We used to do Atomic Ray every two weeks, and now we do it a couple times a year. However often that Roan's schedule and my schedule line up, Mm -hmm. which is increasingly difficult. He's become very busy with other projects. That does happen. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong in thinking that you were involved with Warpig Radio as well? Uh, Yes, actually Warpig is my creation. Okay, there we go. But Dan Reppinger from Fear the Boot actually coded the back end for it, so it was kind of a Dan-Ed joint for a while. It's not really up right now, it's not working, but I I do plan to get it back up at some point. Okay, well cool. All right. well, I got 
just one little bit of news, and this is not even really podcast related, just kind of cool. I'm going to be turning the Virtues and Vices series that we've done off and on throughout the history of the show into a Sunday school class coming up here next month. So that's going to be interesting. It's the first time I'm going to be leading a Sunday school class. and So we have only a couple more months to get through all the episodes. So prepare for a run. Yeah, we got to knock these out. Yeah, <laughs> by July. Sorry. We're going weekly. No, I I wish. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I know. The first daily podcast. Yes. <laughs> that would be interesting. But yeah, so I'm kind of excited about that and was definitely inspired by and I'm definitely drawing from the, all the episodes that we've done. So that's pretty cool. Brandon, you got anything? Not really. By the time this released, I will have started my summer job as a assistant teacher for Black Rocket teaching kids how to make video games. Okay. So Awesome. Ed, you got anything cool going on? Right now, no. My kids are out of school, so I'm anticipating getting to spend a lot of time with them. Other than that, we run games at a local restaurant twice a week, so I'm kind of really focused on that right now. Nice. There's a place called AFK Elixirs and Eatery in Renton, Washington, so we go there every Monday and Tuesday and some other times on occasion, and we just play games for five hours or more. Did you say AFK Elixirs and Eatery? Yeah, they have an AFK Tavern up north, but this is their new location down south. That's kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm ever in the area, I'll have to check that out, because that sounds great. Yeah, they have cool menu, cool art on the walls. Everyone there is a geek or a gamer. Nice. So, I mean, you can order a Witch King or you can order any number of their dishes that are named or themed after geeky gamer stuff. That's really cool. Dwarven battle bread. Awesome. Know, like that. All right. Before we get into this, I want to very quickly plug our website with all of our archives of past shows on it that you can go here at savingthegamepodcast.org if you aren't getting your audio from there already. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, InroadsMinistries.com, and about anywhere else you care to look for podcasts. So go out there, take a look at our website, join our Google Plus community, which is made of awesome people, and come hang out with us. And I would like to make a personal plea, because I just noticed our review on iTunes, and we only have one, and I know we have more than one listener out there, and... Apparently, we don't even have one listener because the guy who rated us couldn't listen to the show. Yeah, I posted something there. And by the time you hear this, we should have a couple more people to review us on iTunes. And that's a good point. If you have any opinion at all about the show that's honest and thought out, whether it's a one star or five star, I don't care. Give us a review because those help. We appreciate it. Indeed. All right. uh, Let's get started with scripture, shall we? All right. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. John thirteen thirty four through 35 A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Philippians 4, 4-7 through 7, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Ed, you wanted to talk to us about a topic that you wrote about back in 2010 on your blog and something that seems to have been kind of coming up for you now and again. Honestly, the blog post had very little to do with gaming when I wrote it. 
it was more of a cultural commentary. And I was probably at the time thinking mostly about politics and the social commentary that goes on. But the truth is it applies in the church just as much as it applies in politics or at the game table. Mm -hmm. It's a feature of the human condition that we have a problem with people that aren't like us. And I was trying to draw a distinction between people that aren't like us because they disagree with us and people that aren't like us because they're exactly like us, that they are dressed like us or talk like us or believe what we believe. It's my hope, against hope, I think, that we can find unity and not need uniformity. And then that goes for the church, it goes for our country, it goes for, I know, our hobby, for games. Actually, it's kind of settled now, but the traditional example these days would be edition wars or something like that, or role players versus LARPers, or, you know. I guess I get really tired when people cut down other people because they're different. Right. And fail to realize that taking gamers as an example we have this shared community instead of focusing on the bad let's try to focus on the good i have found even more recently than when i wrote that or even when you guys asked me to come on the show a few months back some things have happened that brought to light to me again that there's just certain people that can't abide people who are different than them and so uh, maybe that was just my reaction to i guess being a little discouraged by that fact the realization that Unity may not be possible because most people aim for uniformity. Right. And certainly there's been a, a lot of talk lately in the past year or so about expecting a certain amount of uniformity at geek conventions. There's a gatekeeping process that sometimes happens there that shouldn't. You don't belong. You do self-appointed gatekeepers or otherwise. Yeah, there's um, that whole fake geek girl thing that was going on. A lot of that. It crops up in other forms. And you're right, it's not a good thing when people are demanding uniformity. And I like this, uh, this quote that you've got in that blog post here. Both unity and uniformity can be used to describe a unified group of people. The terms are not the same, they just bespeak two differing types of unification. In particular, they address the un mechanism by which unification occurs. It strikes me as the appropriate Christian mindset of the table's open to all. It should be. Are there differences? Sure, that's fine. We'll work through those as needed. We're all here for the same purpose, whether it's to game or to worship, to take communion, whatever it is, we're all here to do that together. Let's not subdivide. Well, to be clear, uniformity has some use. Right. When I was in the military, it, honestly, they engender unity through uniformity because they don't have the time or energy to try to get everyone on the same page psychologically in the sense that to try to convince everybody they need to be a true believer in whatever it is that's going on they just enforce uniformity and through uniformity they get a token unity it's good enough in the military that you do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it so but the, at the end of the day when people get out of the military they're all very different people and they may have different beliefs and have different views about the military but once you're in there you know you have a certain level of uniformity the problem is that outside of a military or at least the United States military because that's the only one I have any experience with you can't rely on the threat of force <laughs> <laughs> to unify a group right. you have to rely on volunteer acquiescence and so uniformity becomes a destruction. If you want to rely on uniformity, you're going to end up destroying any unity you have, and that will, at the end of the day, as you say, fracture your community over and over again. 
It could be as simple as, I only like games where there are GMs, and you only like games that don't have GMs, and therefore we can't game together. Right. Uh, we view each other as being two different, distinct sets of groups, but instead we could look at ourselves both as gamers, just with two different proclivities when it comes to that gaming activity. That has sure. a thread that I want to pull on right here. Uh, what accounting does this have for taste? For example, there's a DM friend of mine who loves running Cthulhu and horror and twisted and everyone will be dead or crazy by the end of this game even though it's pathfinder or D&D back in the day actually and that was just not my style of game that's okay yeah. do you still consider him a friend and somebody that you oh yes outside of that particular game that you can participate in activities with oh of course in fact i have played in a couple of those games and gave him a try and while he ran them in an interesting way, and some of them were very fun, interesting games, there were just elements that I'm like, well, I don't like this, and I don't like that. But... Well, sure. I mean, take board games, for instance. Certain types of games I don't enjoy. Any game that has to do with political wrangling or side-talking, games like Spartacus, for instance, I don't know if you've ever played it, no. or uh, mm -hmm. Monopoly. The no. only real way to win at Monopoly is to actually negotiate and trade and sell and whatnot. It's just not my cup of tea, if you will. If I'm playing Monopoly the way I like to play it, I just play what I get. I'm doing it very casually. But I know people that get very serious about the game, and they're all about trying to convince people to trade with them, and they're very much about the political wrangling side of the game, which mm -hmm. may sound funny to people who haven't played it that way, but the truth is that is the way to win at Monopoly. <laughs> I just don't care. It's an excuse to sit down with family and just have fun, and the game itself is just a mechanism. Whereas Spartacus, it's built around that. You cannot play that game without some trading of alliances and backstabbing. I just don't like those types of games. But that doesn't mean that if you do, that I view you as any less of a gamer or any less of a person that I would like to be around. I just don't care for those types of games. So if I had to choose between two different types, I wouldn't choose that. But at the end of the day, if it's the only one available, I probably would play it with you just because I value you more than I value the particular game that we might be playing. Okay, that sort of clears up the little sort of confusion I had momentarily. Well, I'll give you another example, if you want one that's not around gaming. Sure, I love examples. I am not Catholic. Mm -hmm. Josh Doucher, he's in Colorado. He is Catholic. He's very Catholic. He listens to your show, and... I was staying with him, and it, it was weekend, and they were going to Mass. Now, I'm not Catholic, but I was able to go to a Catholic Mass, even though I'm not Catholic, and pull out of it what I wanted to pull out of it. And so I'm not uniform with him in the sense that I don't believe everything that he believes, but I am in unity with him in the fact that I could go and participate with him in his community at his church. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Just because I'm Seventh-day Adventist does not mean that I can't go and attend someone else's church service and not get something out of it. Right. Sure, that's one example. It's a real-world example. I want to be careful not to say that you shouldn't have your own opinions. I think you should have your own opinions. When you let those opinions get in the way of your ability to find common ground with people, then you are not reflecting, in my opinion, what Christ had as a view. Yeah. Almost like you can't see this one individual person because they're in this forest of this other group. Yeah. Well, can I throw a bomb into your podcast and you guys can edit it out if you don't like it? Sure. Okay. Homosexuals are a good example. Most very conservative religious groups have a problem with the homosexual lifestyle. But what's a problem is when they let that get in their way of actually treating homosexuals as people. They attack the person 
And that's not a right way to do it, just like somebody who doesn't like guns attacks a gun owner. Yeah. It becomes a problem specifically for me when, even if I don't agree with your lifestyle choice or how you parent, let's say, when people attack the people and instead of understanding that's a person, instead of exhibiting love for that person, they're being combative. My sister had to deal with that when she had her first kid because... A lot of the moms around her, it was the whole like breastfeeding versus not breastfeeding. She was like, are you kidding me? You're attacking me because I've chosen one of these two options. Not my place to say which one it is, but there was combative elements on both sides of an issue that is honestly no one's business, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I know. But we allow these things to divide us. I got to tell you, when our first child was born, Mm -hmm. my wife's occasionally braved various parenting forums, asking about breastfeeding, this or that. Any parenting decision, honestly any parenting decision at all is the dividing line for a massive massive internet battle scorched earth weapons of mass destruction level internet battle about parenting it's awful we managed to dodge some of that but it was messy what you were saying Ed, about separating someone's sort of ideals from their person is something that really strikes home to me because i grew up outside of the church Mm -hmm. i was in a religious family I went to public school. Most of my friends went to a private school, or most of my church friends, I should say, went to a private school that was religious in nature, and I had a whole bunch of public school friends. So I had to be exposed to a couple different ideas, and sometimes I handled them well, other times I handled them not so well, and I still cringe to this day thinking about how I've handled them. But the one thing that now has led me to is the whole concept of it really frustrates me the way I've seen believers and non-believers now both attack each other in very vile, vicious ways, where I'm like, I get that you believe and you don't believe, but we're still people and we are commanded to love everyone no matter what. It just seems frustrating because I've had a lot of conversations with people of every faith and lack of faith and had a whole lot of interesting experiences that I wouldn't have had if I had discounted people who were just not like me at the time. Yep. And actually, I'm holding a book that's sort of the reflection of that. It always disappoints me when someone in the geek community tries to act like a gatekeeper and say, well, no, 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 you're not part of this. I don't care what you think you are. You're not part of our culture because it's the same opinion various groups have held for a long time about geek culture and members of that geek culture in general. Churches that don't understand role-playing games to pick a very obvious example that's the central conceit of our podcast. I've got a book in my hand, actually, by Stephen Weiss, who's one of the founding members of Fans for Christ, called God Loves the Freaks, A Guide to Subculture Ministry. And if this is a topic you're interested in, I recommend picking it up. It's very good. It's from Blessed Words Books. You can find it on Amazon. That's where I got it. It gets into that same idea of we need to stop being gatekeepers in the church as well as everything else and interact with those people. It points to what I've occasionally thought of as Christianity as a superculture rather than a whole bunch of individual subcultures. This book is actually really good. There's sections in there on this is what goths are, this is what anime is, this is what D&D is, this is what fandom is and how it works. It's very, very good, and I really like the book. So I recommend picking it up. To pull it into one of your other themes for this podcast, which is saving the game, I would equate Mm -hmm. what we're talking about to... John 17, Jesus is talking about his view of the church. He's talking about unity. He's basically calling for unity in his church. 
And I've always asked people, at least in the church, with whom exactly are we supposed to be united? Like, is it only Christians in your local congregation? Is it just believers regardless of group? Is it everybody everywhere? And one of the things that I kind of have to ask people is that, is it possible for us to just be gracious in how we treat people? At least in the church, there's too much at stake for you to not be. And even in our hobby, for the good of the hobby, what is better? Is it better for us to try to be, as you say, the gaming police, <laughs> you know, the geek police? <laughs> Or in the church, is it our job to be the salvation police? Or is there somebody who already has that job? Right. And so in the church, I would say it's a wise principle to give others the benefit of the doubt when it comes to knowing Christ and outside the church and places like gaming. I would say it's a wise principle to give others the benefit of the doubt when it comes to games or geekery. If they say that they enjoy a subject, then take them at their word. Great. Yeah. You love cosplay. Hallelujah. I do too. Or maybe I don't, but good for you. Yeah. I'm not a cosplayer, but I love when people are that excited about something at a convention. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is your hobby. You're casting buttons by hand, forging these particular pieces to go on the costume. Awesome. I have that same devotion to some other hobby. Let's compare. Yeah. I guess let's tie it to, let's say, Christianity versus D&D for a moment. Right. My question is really a trick question because in the church, it's not really up to us to unify the church. Jesus already did that. So he's already unified his body. It's not really our job to do it. <laughs> and similarly, if you're playing D&D and I'm playing D&D, it's not really up to me to decide whether or not you're a D&D player or not, because you already are. The fact that you're doing it is kind of out of my control. <laughs> I may not like your particular way that you do it, but in and of itself, it's not really up to me to be the, you know, the D&D yeah. piece. And I think it's okay to say, hey... I've got a suggestion on how to make your game better. I've got a suggestion on how to live better as a Christian. But I can't look at you and say, no, you're not a Christian. No, you're not a gay. Yeah, I think as you get older, you get a little more humility when it comes to that. I remember when I was young and dumb, yeah. when we were starting eating studios back when I was in college, I actually asked my grandmother for a loan to help with that. Mm -hmm. And she graciously declined. <laughs> and one of the things she said to me was that she had a very simple life. She cares about her family, her friends, and her church. And she doesn't care to complicate it any more than that. And, you know, I was young. I was 20 at the time or 21. So I was like, oh, you know, well, she's dumb. She's stupid. She's old. She doesn't know what she's talking about. But I've come to understand that even though I was making poor choices in my life as a teenager and as a, in my early 20s, my grandmother never stopped loving me, and she never stopped treating me with care and respect. And and that's really what I'm hoping, that maybe over time, more and more people will just learn that it is okay for people to be different than you, and you don't have to try to enforce your opinions on them, because it's my belief that you will never get somebody to agree with you based on debate. You will only get somebody to come around to your life or your way of thinking based on your example. For gamers to want to reach out and make more gamers, the only way for you to do that effectively is for people to see what you have and want it. Wow, you guys are having fun. I really want to have fun. Mm -hmm. Show me this thing, these games that you're playing that are so much fun for you. In the church, it's the same way. You look at people, hopefully, that are in uh, the church, and you look at them and you say, wow, there's something that you have that I don't have and I want it. Why do you have this and I do not? <laughs> Quoting scripture to somebody is not going to get them to believe in God. We used to call it getting them with the gospel gun. That's never going to work. It's just not. Yeah. Talking about hit locations and Thacko and stuff is not going to get somebody to believe that they want to play a game of D&D &D with you. It's just not. 
they're going to look at the fun you're having or they're going to look at the joy in your life and they're going to want to be a part of your game or your your church. Yeah, absolutely. Or you're going to hear a really cool story about, we did this awesome thing. Yeah. Okay, well, I want to do that too. The best example for me to give you would probably be Mr. Rogers. I don't think that a lot of the people that hold him in high regard are Christians. I think I was watching, I don't know her name. She's an actress. She had a talk show. She had uh, Mr. Rogers on there. Rosie O'Donnell. That's correct. And they politically and probably even religiously don't agree on much. Mm -hmm. But she could celebrate the fact that his whole goal was to show people that they're loved and worth worthy simply because of who they are. And yeah. I wish that we could say the same thing about our hobby, just as much as I wish we could say the same thing about our churches. I don't need somebody to be a Christian. What I at least hope is that they look at the way I act and say, you know, I don't agree with you this church thing isn't for me, but at least you're a good person. Can we at least shoot for that? But you're not going to get there by making people feel bad about their differences or by trying to bash them over the head with the fact that you think that they're a sinner and they're going to hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very counterproductive in my opinion, just like bashing people because they like a certain geekery that you don't like is fraught with issues and yeah. problems. Yeah. Telling them, no, that game you're playing, it isn't fun. Stop having fun. You're having the wrong kind of fun. <laughs> We used to call that bad, wrong, fun. Yes. Yep. Dan on Fear the Boots says it on occasion. That's just hilarious. Actually, that's the thing most recently that I ran into. I had somebody on the internet, of course. Where else? Yes, was castigating what we do and some of the people that I'm associated with. And they obviously hadn't done their homework because they were attacking people like Gail Simone and Stan and Joanna Gaskell from Standard Action. I'm sure they would have attacked you guys if you had been a part of it. And they were basically doing the whole bad, wrong, fun. Right. You're not as cool as I am because you don't take this hobby as seriously as I do and so therefore you guys are problems and we need to expunge you from the hobby because you're not treating it as the awesome sauce that it is and I don't get that to me it's not about the game it's about the people so we have two different views of the reality yeah. that we're working under yeah and I think that's where this parallel between the gaming hobby and Christianity that we've kind of used here breaks down a little bit because Christianity is something we should take seriously as seriously as we can but it's not an exclusive type of seriousness it's an inclusive form should it's, be hey this is all consuming. I'm losing myself in my faith, which is excellent. But in doing so, it doesn't pull the attention to myself. It makes me more interested in what other people are doing and helping others. C.S. Lewis described it as the best Christians are those who seem the most interested in you, not themselves. They'll want the conversation to be about you and them unimportant. They're genuinely interested in how you are, not trying to claim some ground. Well, I honestly think that goes for games as well. The people I like playing games with the most are the people that enjoy my company more than they enjoy winning. Absolutely. The thing that I kind of want to say is the comment you have made about not taking games seriously. I mean, I take this hobby very seriously. One of the primary reasons that I chose a lot of the courses that I took in college that were elective were so I would be a better gamer. Like, I took basic geography so that I would know how to draw maps, finally. I focused on storytelling because I thought that was where I was weak and that was where I had interests. I've done a whole series on here about how to write better stories and tell better games because I do take it seriously. Yes, and that's an awesome series, and thank you again for doing it, by the way. <laughs> my, my games get better every time you do one of those episodes. Well, I, I'm hoping to do a couple more. So Awesome. I guess I sort of see where your point is coming from, but I wouldn't say not taking it seriously. I would say not taking it too seriously. Sure. I think it's possible to be passionate about a hobby without being smug about it. Oh, yes. There's a big difference between a geek 
and a hipster. I'm really into this hobby and it's awesome and I know everything about it and I want to share it with you is a lot different from I'm really into this hobby and no, you can't have it. It's mine. It's ruined by you getting into it. It needs to be exclusive to me. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to get into craft brewing. I love craft beers. There's a beer place that opened up here in Greenville, South Carolina. The Southern Growl. Great place if you're in Greenville. Go check it out. Nothing but local craft brews. And it's really cool. And the people there, they're on the good side of this. It's, oh, you don't know anything about this? Let me teach you. This is awesome. Let's get into it. Not, oh, well, then why are you here? Oh, you're not already a master? Why are you bothering learning? Right. It's a very different relationship. And I think that's awesome. I did want to say one thing about this. A very practical bit of advice. I think this same idea of unity instead of uniformity applies in a very real sense to the gaming table with the lines and veils that we've talked about. It comes up as I think one of the most important things you can have in your game is this concept of boundaries, lines and veils. A quick recap, since we haven't explained it in several episodes. Well, a line is what you draw on the sand, and then anyone who crosses it, you have a fist fight with. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly (laughs) it. No, Um, Veils are what you wear to cover up the scars. Yeah, the name of the the guy who came up with it escapes me. It's the guy who authored Sorcerer. Ron Ron Edwards, Edwards. I think. Yeah. In Sex and Sorcery, he coined these terms lines and veils. Lines are subjects that are absolutely taboo at the table. Don't bring them up. Don't hint at them. They should never appear at the table. Veils are things that should not actively come up at the table, but can be referenced in some degree. Child abuse, probably a thick line for everybody. Nobody wants to even think about it at the table. Drug abuse could be a veil where you don't want to have your character going through it, but, you know, maybe there's, oh, this park is full of needles. Well, see, see, the the thing could be back and forth, because there could be someone who's perfectly fine with there being veiled child abuse, like a kid goes into a woodshed and there's crying, but, like, they don't want to have anything with drug use because, well, their brother overdosed. Right, and that's actually what I'm getting at. Yeah, in the story game community out here, we invoke the veil from time to time, and it's one of the introductions when we start each meetup. We explain how you invoke the veil, and it's really just a compact in the group that if somebody says, you know, I'm getting uncomfortable, they don't have to explain why. Right. They just have to say, I'm veiling that, and we move on. You're putting more value on the person who you're playing with than the particular way that you want to take the story right now. And that's very important because it shows that you respect them and that the person is more important than the game. Not that you're not taking it seriously. I guess it's a matter of mutually agreed upon humility at the beginning. I'm going to put some trust in you and you're going to put trust in me. But if you say I'm kind of uncomfortable, I will accept you at your word and move on. And I think that's very important. That's important in in regular life too, or it should be. Yeah, it's ultimately the same idea you're talking about here, Ed, this idea that we're pulled together Mm -hmm. around the gaming table or any other table by commonalities, and we respect the differences that we have. We're not going to say, you know, I know you're uncomfortable there, but I'm not, so I'm forging ahead. You respect those differences and make room for them. It's like a family. Let's say we're having dinner together and you're my brothers, and there may be times where things come up and we're like, we are kind of maybe even not don't even have to say it. We just kind of go, eh, let's not talk about it. This is not the time or the place to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. That being said, problems do exist in the world and sometimes you have to address those problems. So I don't by any means want to say that we should not address these problems or talk about things that are problematic. But if our goal is to find problems and pick those scabs, then I think that our goal is off. 
And but if our goal is to build up each other and to forge bonds that you know tie us together, it's not to say that there won't be problems. It's just a, what is your focus? Like what is what is your priority? If your priority is the person. I think that your unity will be strong. If your priority is your opinion, you're going for uniformity, I think that you're headed for trouble. And that's really the gist of what I was getting at. In a very real example, I've joked about how I'm trying to force Peter to read The Dresden Files because it's one of my Mm -hmm. favorite series. He's resistant for some of his personal reasons. I'm not saying, oh, well, if you don't do this, then we can't be podcast friends or anything because that's just silly. Right. That is to talk Bible for a moment. What we're talking about is very Romans 14. Mm. But there's people that disagree with you on certain things or people have hang-ups. The lines in your veils is very Romans 14. It's very, you can eat meat and it's not a problem, but I can't do it. The danger for both groups is that the one who eats meat or the one who doesn't have a problem with talking about pornography or child drug use or what you know whatever, that person will hold the other person in contempt. And then the person who does have that problem will judge the other person. And it's a vicious cycle where it tears the group apart. It tears the relationship apart because you're worried more about yourself. Your focus is on me instead of on the other person. And Romans 14 is all about how do you deal with this situation where you're in a family, you're the church, you're in a group of people, just like a game group is a group of people, a family, if you will, at least for three hours every other week or whatever. And how do you deal with a situation where I have something that is a hang up for me? And if I care more about the latter part of 14 is like, if I care more about you than about my own freedom or opinion, then I will do my best not to trip you up, to be a stumbling block to your faith. Just like at the gaming table, if talking about drug use is a veiled thing for you or a line for you, then if I care about you, I won't keep bringing it up because I don't want to be a stumbling block to your ability to have fun because games are supposed to be fun. Yeah. So, I mean, there's another parallel that you can use there. Romans 14 basically is your lines and veils right there. Yeah, it is. It's the weaker brother argument that Paul talks about. It's important to note that both the weaker and the stronger brother both have the danger of being problematic in the relationship. One has the danger of holding another person in contempt and the other has the danger of judging the other person. Right. I by no means want to give the impression that I don't think that games are something to be taken seriously. I do actually take them very seriously because I think they have great value. That's why the mantra for gamerati is it's good to be a gamer. I think there's a lot of good things that can come out of games. Yeah. They're educational, social bonds. There's so many things I've got basically three important things in my life, my faith, my family, and my fun, and my fun is my games. Or if you want to use G's, I guess, you know, God, girls, because I have all daughters. So God, girls, <laughs> and games. Like, everything else doesn't even really compute. So they're very important to me, but they're only important to me because I get so much value out of them, which makes them so good. That's why I can say, and I'm proud to say that I am a gamer. It's good to be a gamer, but it can be turned into a bad thing. Games can be horrible if you do them the wrong way, just like your faith can be a horrible influence on the world if you exercise it improperly. You can turn a lot of people off to games if you treat them poorly, just like you can turn a lot of people off to Christianity if you live the life, quote-unquote, of a Christian in a way that does so. That's a danger. And so when I originally talked about the subject, I think I was talking about politics in my brain, but it's just as applicable to the game table or the church or to the PTA or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, Ed... 
thanks for coming on. This has been a really nice discussion. It's been good to have you. Thanks, guys. I think you've yeah. basically summed up our entire mission. Yeah. What we've been trying to do. So congratulations on saying things better than we can say them. Yay. Awesome. And if you take nothing else away from this episode, it's that you have to be exactly like us. Yeah. All I'm right. joking. Uh, <laughs> it was a good try. <laughs> it was a good try. Okay, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. This is really important. I need to say this. It's good to know that there's somebody else out there that has a terrible sense of humor just like me. <laughs> because honestly, when I tell a joke, 99.9% of the time, there's dead air afterwards, and then I go back into my, okay, I won't open my mouth anymore. So it's good yeah, to know there's one other person like me out there. Yeah, I've, I've done it myself. <laughs> honestly, the only time I ever think, you know, it'd be nice to have a soundboard right now so I can play like a little cricket sound after one of my jokes or Brandon's jokes. Just kind of... Anyone? No? Okay. It's really funny because it's not funny at all. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Well, Ed, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate your time. I think all of our listeners do. It's a great thing. If there's one thing you wanted to plug real quick, what would it be? Crickets. Crickets. I I don't think we can plug crickets. I... I don't think we can do that. But we just did. Two out of three podcasters agree. <laughs> Crickets. All right. Two out of three. Fair enough. No, honestly, just check out Gamerati if you want to, and hopefully you'll appreciate something of what we do. If not, then tell me what we can do better. Awesome. So, Ed, thank you for coming and talking with us. I hope you had a good time. Thank you all, listeners, for tuning into this episode and giving us your time and listening to us. We really appreciate it because we really love doing this for you, and this is all for you. Yep. With everyone, I'm Brandon. I'm Grant. And I'm Ed. Thanks again, folks. Have a good one. Peace. This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through InroadsMinistries.com, RPGPodcasts.com, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at SavingTheGamePodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.